When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on the Chronicle NUFC Facebook, Twitter and YouTube channels and later on our podcast channel. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as usual on a Monday afternoon joined by our Newcastle United editor Aaron Stokes. And Aaron, only one place to start that fantastic game at St James's Park yesterday against Manchester City 3-3. We've had a few hours now to think about what went down yesterday. I woke up this morning thinking Newcastle really ought to have won that game. Yeah, I think if you look at it that way, you know Newcastle were really, really unlucky to to not come away against three point with three points. I think the manner of their performance, um, I think on the whole they probably deserved it. You know we've seen with City time time again. We saw it on the final day of the season. We've seen it countless times that you can never write them off. They can score quick goals in quick succession to just sort of flip games on their head. Um, and unfortunately, Newcastle were on the sort of receiving end of that yesterday with, you know, the second goal may be a bit fortunate, not to, just when Newcastle not clearing the lines, but the third goal, I mean, that's just exactly what City can do here. The likes of, you know, De Bruyne can just kill you with those killer passes. Um, but yeah, look, on the whole, fantastic Newcastle performance. I don't think we, any of us were really expecting them to come out, especially not after what we saw against Brighton um, eight days earlier. So yeah, re- really, really positive performance. I say Newcastle should have won the game because of the chances they had. Obviously, the flip side of that is being realistic and you are against what I think is probably the best team in the world. So to have got a point from Guardiola's men is very, very special indeed. But that whole performance, minus the first goal Newcastle conceded, I'll go on record and say, for me, that was as close to the complete performance from Newcastle that I have seen for them first 60 minutes. From a defensive side, again, minus that first goal that conceded uh, from an attacking side, pressing Manchester City, hitting them on the counter, the character. And I will also throw in the, the fans as, as, as well there. It's cliche to say, you know, we say quite a lot up here, don't we? They've got the greatest fans in the world and I, I, I stand by that. But sometimes you can overplay it. But yesterday, from the word go, everybody inside St. James's Park, and you can hear by my voice because I was sitting in the Lisa's end. You can hear by my voice, it's 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 on its last legs because I was along with everybody there yesterday. The crowd were unbelievable. We'll mention them a bit more um, later on the show. But for you, Aaron, how good was that overall performance, especially the first hour? I think it probably ranks among, you know, the top three Eddie Howe performances. I don't think it was quite the level that we saw against Arsenal in May, um, but it was definitely up there. I think, as you said, the first 60 minutes before City started to find their groove, a bit towards the end, um, you couldn't really put, um, you know, say anything bad about Newcastle. Yes, maybe they switched off for the goal. You know, we've obviously looked at it this morning. We're trying to work out who's at fault. You know, Cher, has he let Haaland and Gundogan slip? Um, but look, apart from that, um, they were absolutely, you know, pretty much perfect. And I think that just goes to show, you know, the response of the team. How many times have we seen Newcastle concede in the first opening minister sit you over the years and that's it it's game over you may as well go home there was none of that you know Eddie Howe roaring his players forward whenever they got the ball you know trying to get you know City done on the counter um, and I think they executed that plan so well in the first half of changing the ball over so quickly going from defence to attack Bruno was fantastic at spraying those balls out wide early trip your bombs on St Maximum flies forward um, it was a really, really complete performance for, for the majority of the game. Mm. It would have been very easy, as you say, to crumble after conceding a goal so early on because for the first two or three minutes of that game, Newcastle were going right at City there in the corner really early on. Joe Willock went down the right. But what I thought was really important in the moments after they conceded that first goal was the response of the crowd. You know, they were instantly, right, they were roaring them on, come on, let's get let, let, let's get behind you guys. And it, it, it paid off. Just on Joe Willick, the team that started was unchanged, that Brighton side. Now, for me, for the first 
10, 15, 20 minutes maybe, Joe Willick looked very uncomfortable, I thought, because I think he'd maybe been sent out to do a defensive role and he just didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like he knew where he, meant, was he, where he was meant to be. He didn't look comfortable carrying out again. This is just what I thought was the instruction of, you know, being that extra defensive body. And I don't know if something changed, if there was an instruction passed on or if in his mind something changed, you know, psychologically. He started playing on the front foot and that's when Newcastle started getting more of the ball, started really dominating City and it worked. And I actually felt when Joe Willett went off, I can see what Eddie I was trying to do, bring on long staff, you know, be a bit more defensive. I thought they lost their shape a little bit and a, a bit of purpose, which is not what I thought um, would have been the case. I, I I wanted long staff to start actually. And then, to, you know, it's worked out like that. Yeah, I actually wanted long staff to start as well, which just goes to show how much we know. Uh, obviously, Eddie Howe, you know, is the man paid the big bucks for good reason. I think there was a moment in that first half where Joe Willock picks up the ball deep inside Newcastle's half. And he beats Kyle Walker for pace with the ball at his feet. He just leaves him for dead. And I think that was the moment where, you know, we know Willock's quite a, you know, he's a confidence player. He needs things to be going well. And it just looked like from that minute where he sort of scorched past Walker, that was the turning point for him. I thought when Newcastle were flying forward towards the back end of the first half with Miggy, Armon and Willock linking up so well in the middle, um, it was a really, really good thing to watch. Some fantastic moves, uh, between the three of them trying to find Wilson in behind. Um, so, yeah, look, I mean, I, I was wrong. I, I did call for a long staff to start, but I think it was the the right team selection for many how. Yeah, one, 100%. And you mentioned uh, Bruno Gumresh had another really good game, but he had to really show discipline because he was booked in the eighth minute. Now, I'm sure everyone there that watched the game yesterday, whether you were at the ground or listening online, watching and, you know, following on our live blog, whatever, however you followed it, you'd be going, well, why didn't De Bruyne get booked moments earlier for bringing down Bruno Gumresh? You know, we saw a similar card given out in the Chelsea Leeds game that the player ended up getting sent off because it was a second yellow. Um, so I get that. No getting away. The fact that Bruno's foul was a foul. He, he's retaliated. He's gone in. It's clumsy. But I did think the discipline he showed from that moment on, because he was in that team to break up the play, he was in that team to rattle the, the players, to leave a foot in. And he had to really adapt his game to make sure he didn't leave too much of a foot in because one wrong tackle and he's he's getting an early bath. There was a couple of moments in that game where I was sort of watching on from the sidelines and he was very, very, very close to getting it wrong. He got booked so early and he was still flying into tackles as if he hadn't been carded. And I just think on another day, if he just timed it just a little bit wrong, he's off. So I was sort of holding my breath every time, you know, a City player approached him or every time he came off the ground. But look, yeah, he, he did a fantastic job. As you say, he broke up the play really well. He jays the crowd up all the time. You know, we see him sort of roaring in the stands. There's a fantastic video of him on Twitter celebrating Trippier's goal. Um, where it just looks like he's screaming at the heavens. Um, but yeah, look, he was fantastic. We obviously mentioned last week that we thought he had a bit of an off game against Brighton. He wasn't his usual self. He was back to normal yesterday. And look, to do that against City, um, we knew the battle would be won in midfield when they've got Rodri sort of dictating and uh, KDB, who obviously did set up that third goal, but he just didn't give them a moment to breathe. Um, and I thought it was a really, really assured performance, both going forward and at the back. So many players we will mention oh. who performed wonderfully well from Pope to St. Maximum to Miggy, and we'll get onto them in a moment. But you mentioned that the Brighton performance, and it was a bit of a come down from the Forest performance. Mm -hmm. And we said last week that, oh, I said, well, after that Brighton performance, you are feeling a little bit going in this City game because you think, well, it's not exactly the best game to get back up to the level you showed against Forest. I said it about Bruno, you know, is that really the game you think he's going to? get back to the level we expected. But everybody, for a man, match City, they were, you know, I haven't seen, I mean, I haven't seen Lee Ryder's player ratings, but I assume they were, nearly everyone was quite high. And, very, very high. And deservedly <laughs> yeah. so. How do you go from a performance like Brighton, where you were pretty much outplayed for the entirety of the game, to then going into against what is the best club in the world for me, and for 60 minutes, you know, dominating them, and then coming away thinking we 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 maybe dropped two points here. 
Yeah, I think one, let, let's just praise the, the response. We all knew how poor the Brighton game was. Like you say, it was a big, big come down after what was such a good first home game of the season. So credit needs to be given to the players for bouncing back. The stadium, St. James's Park, has got such a big effect on these players. I keep going back to that Arsenal game. When there's something in the air like there was at St. James's Park yesterday, these players just thrive off it. From minute one yesterday, the crowd did not give City an inch, did not give the referee an inch. Every throw in corner tackle was applauded. And I think when you've got players like Bruno and Trippier, you know, these they thrive off that that energy. Um so look, that's the only probably reason I can point to as to why we saw such a different game yesterday at Brighton. Brighton, by the way, fantastic team. They look like they're going places of the season. Um and I think yesterday's result at West Ham probably shows how well Newcastle did to keep them out um, a week earlier. And also, I'm guessing, Eddie, how the homework he's done on Manchester City, you know, Alan Shearer did a great job as always on match of the day, you know, analysing where Newcastle got the better of City and it was it was attacking down down the wide. And I think we all know how meticulous Eddie Howe is. You know, he likes to watch the videos of opposition teams and really, really understand where their weakness is. And he got it down to a T. As you mentioned there, you know, the third goal from City was just good quality. The first goal they conceded was poor defending. It wasn't as if, you know, I think everything else just everything else just worked and Newcastle were just guilty of, you know, handing City uh, for the first goal, hand it to City and then just being beaten by absolute brilliant quality for the third goal. There's nothing really you can do about that. But again, it just shows you the talents of Eddie Howe and his staff that they sat down, they looked at City knowing best club in the world. But hey, we, we can get it at them and this is how. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of us wondered what the defence would be like this week. A lot of us were saying, is it a five, is it a four? I think it was a shrewd move to keep four at the back. I don't think, you know, you invite pressure on when you put five at the back at home at City. How wanted to keep three in midfield to try and dominate and match the likes of Gundogan and Rodri, which I thought, I mean, Joe Linton yesterday. My man of the match. I know St Max had a fantastic game. Peter in the comments saying... And he was brilliant. And he was, he was. Best game I've seen St. Maxman for quite a while. Yeah. But, but you're right, Joe Linson was something else. Poor Maxi Miggy take the headlines, but the work Joe Linton did off the ball, the, the way he hurries players into making mistakes, the way he gets to... He runs towards a 50-50 tackle and you think he's got no way of getting to it and he somehow manages to take the ball. I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday. One of the sort of unsung heroes of the, of the game yesterday. Um... But yeah, look, credit Eddie Howe for the team selection. Um, I think he got that spot on. I think he got the game plan spot on. And I think what impresses me most about Eddie Howe, and, and we've said it a long time, is there's no dead games. You know, he, as I said, every time Newcastle got the ball, he was roaring them forward. He wanted every single player in City's half when they were on the attack. He thought, there's no way we're going to let them out of this situation. Um, and I think it's just so refreshing to see that Newcastle United aren't cowed by any team, they can literally invite the Premier League champions to St James's Park and match them stride for stride. I mean, yesterday for me was probably one of, if not my favourite game in in years. I thought it was just brilliant to be a part of. Admittedly, I had my head in my laptop because something well, was going on, but I sort of do wish I was in the stands watching it as a fan. But just it was an incredible day from start to finish. I text you afterwards yeah. and I said, "Fantastic game!" And, and since I've been moving to my new role, which is social media editor for the Northeastern Yorkshire. I don't go to to the home games as a, as a member of the press anymore. And a lot of people say, do you miss it? Like, you know, do you miss not going? And I always say, well, no, because I can go into the stands with my dad or my mates and I can enjoy the game. And funny enough, the, the one game I remember where I, where I was in the press box thinking, okay, I'm going to have to maybe calm down, was when Newcastle beat Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, remember that one a few years ago? And that was one of the moments I was like, okay, yeah, you can't be like punching the air. You, know, you have to be professional and you know mistake by me admittedly and then yesterday yesterday will be the new game that i tell people about you know <laughs> do you miss it no why well because you can hear my voice you know you were just hugging strangers i was with my dad and, and we're going a bit off you know we, we, we have to keep our professionalism yeah but it was just a fantastic game to be in the crowd with there was there was a few moments mainly right i sort of had to restrain myself <laughs> from not getting too animated because obviously as you say we're not there as fans but it was everybody in the press box as, as well as in the stands was sort of just engrossed in every single kick. Um, 
yeah, just just an absolute memorable game. And it's just so good that Newcastle got a point out of it. I think, you know, we're all sort of coming away from it thinking it was, you know, they really should have won it. City were really, really pressing for that fourth goal towards the end. And I think it would have just sort of taken the edge off, the shine off a bit if they'd actually sort of went and win it. Because I think... It would have been unfair. Yeah, Newcastle definitely deserved at least a point, if not the win. So, yeah, just a, just a fantastic game. And it, it would have been unfair because... Newcastle in that first half, they really should have gone in maybe with two goals to the better because Almiron fired one over, you know, St. Maxman and Wilson were looking dangerous. Of course, you can't be greedy against Manchester City, but I suppose that's just a little bit of the, the difference between, a, a, you know, a, a decent side and, and a top, top side. You will, you'll take them chances. Um, before we talk about Almiron and St. Maxman, we'll hear from Eddie Howe and Pep Guardiola. We've got their press conferences to come here. So this is what yeah, the two managers had to say about the game. Yeah, I think so because I think when you're three-one up in any game, you you uh, you expect to win. So I could sit here and and say I'm you know there's no side of me that's disappointed. I think I, I would be lying, but I'd pref- much prefer to focus on the positives of today, not not the negatives. And I thought the positives far outweighed them. Uh, a, a really good team performance. Uh, Individually, collectively, very good, and and the effort was there. And I think uh, we committed so much to that game to get a point. So um, yeah, delighted with the players today. He's one of the top managers, so he took over the team last season in the difficult position, circumstances. He make an incredible effort. So the team you see is growing. Uh, is a team like who want to be leading role in the games. Uh, they have everything. They have pace. They have quality. Uh, um, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult place to come, and uh, we behave really, really good again. What I love there is Eddie Howe's first kind of comments, where he says, "Yeah, I could sit here and say it's not a bit of me disappointed, but I'd be lying." That is the standard that's been set, and we spoke about it last week. We spoke about it yesterday at our pre-match talking at the Tyneside Irish, and I thank you to everyone who came along to that, um, and we said. You know, they're not going to turn up against Manchester City just to kick a ball about, just to make up the numbers. You've just said there, there's no free hits. He wants to go out and win every game. And he's genuine in what he says there. Yeah, of course, you go 3-1 up and you expect to win. Now, you take the positive, as he said. But yeah, you'll be looking back and going, well, could we have been a bit more tighter for that first goal? The second goal, you know, was again, could they clear it out? You know, communication maybe. Um, between Cher and, and, and Pope, because obviously Cher cleared it out for the corner, didn't he? And all that. So it, it, you'll be looking at the, the really minor details, the fine margins that allowed City back into the, into the game. And that is what Newcastle United have got in Eddie Howe. He's just, he, he's a fantastic manager and he wants to keep on improving. Yeah, just the polar opposite to what, you know, came before him, I think. Um, you know, I sort of get tired of saying it, but there is just, no free hits, no dead games. He wants to win every game, whether it's a training session or a, or a, obviously a visit to the champions. So yeah, look, so refreshing. I think the job he's done, the and the way they played yesterday. Do you know what I mean? As we said, they they deserve to be three one up. Some of that, you know, sort of free flowing attacking football in the first half was like among the best we've seen in years. Do you know what I mean? It um, wasn't an accident either. They weren't no, they wasn't. weren't three one up because City had played poorly. I mean, Nick Pope had two or three brilliant saves to make. You know, if not even more. So they weren't ahead because City had a, a, an off day. City were were good against any other team. City would have won that five six one. You know what I mean? They were ahead because of what Eddie Howe and his staff had set out to do during the week, and then it was up to the players to put it in place. And every person that was involved yesterday did it, and that is the new Newcastle United, and it's just fantastic. And it, and I think Howe's getting the best out of these players, do you know what I mean? He's playing to their strengths. I know we're going to talk about Maxi in a bit more detail later on, but last season, our biggest gripe with him was he holds on the ball too long. His decision-making isn't good enough. Yeah. Yesterday, he's picking the ball up. He's running at Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker's showing it on the outside, on his left foot, and Maxi's going, no problem. Taking it on his left foot and crossing at the right time. Some of those crosses he was putting across the box in the first half. I mean, Mickey obviously should have scored that. That first chance, there was a couple of times where, you know, it was just evading Callum Wilson. He's getting the best out of these players by playing at their strengths. We've seen it with Bruno and Shelby to an extent before he got injured. Um, 
Trippier and Target, I think he knows exactly what he's going to get out of those two. And Maxi just seems to be going from strength to strength. So, yeah, I just can't put enough praise on how for what he's done in the last couple of months. We'll talk about Maxi then. So, he had 42 touches. He made 16 final third passes. He won eight duels and he made six dribbles. He was superb yesterday. Now, I know listeners and viewers of this podcast will say, and quite rightly, you know, YouTube probably been a bit critical of him, but we stand by that criticism. As you said, there are issues in this game. He holds on the ball too long, doesn't make the right decisions. But those frustrations only come out of the fact of what we know he can do. And yesterday he showed what he can do. So we get frustrated because he doesn't do that on a, a, an often enough basis. But goodness me, whatever he had for his breakfast yesterday, Eddie Howe needs to be giving that to him every single game that that man plays because I'd, he was just fantastic. I'll just let it go on record and say that I want St Maximum at the Metro Centre every Friday <laughs> before every game because clearly whatever he was doing with those fans before the game has worked a charm. This is what we're saying though. Seven days ago we were sat here in this spot saying, why is Maxi not doing it? Why he had such a shocker of a game against Brighton after such a good game against Forest. Eddie Howe said in his post-match press conference, he obviously praised uh, Maxi, but said the biggest challenge we've got with Maxi is getting him to do this on a regular basis. And it's what we always say. We know he can do it. I mean, yesterday, this time last season when he, when City came to St. James's, it's the type of game where Maxi just has an off day, he goes missing because Newcastle don't have as much of the ball. Yesterday, as a lot of people are saying in the comments and as Howe said yesterday, and I think we'll both agree, that was his best game in any Castle shirt. Yeah. He was just from minute one on it, thriving off the energy of the crowd. Tracking back. Tracking back. Kyle Walker, one of the fastest, most experienced Premier League right backs in history. And he looked absolutely amateur. This is the frustration. I really don't want to be sat here next week after Wolves saying, Where was Maxi? This is the this is the game. This is the this is the thing he's got to do more more. Um, frequently. You've yeah. got to make sure that these games aren't sort of a flash in the pan. And that applies as well to Newcastle as a whole. You know, you, yeah. can't, you can't have a brilliant performance against Forest, sub-average against Brighton. Your best performance may be under Eddie Howe. I know people will say Arsenal, but I'm going to I'm gonna still stick my neck on the line and say this was against Manchester City. And then you go into the next games and you, you don't make the most. So you, you know, you have a shot against Wolves. We need to see it on a consistent basis because when Newcastle play the way they did yesterday against the likes of Wolves and Crystal Palace, they'll have absolutely no bother. You know, they will be fine and they will be pushing for that top seven, top eight place. They've just got to make sure they do it on a consistent basis. And that's that's the challenge for, for Eddie Howe. We've mentioned how good Max he was, but just how good was Miguel Almiron? You know, he should have scored. He's getting in them positions. And it, I... A little bit like when City scored the goal. It's one of those moments that's in the balance. Miggy puts that over the bar. How did the crowd react? How does Miggy react? And to be fair, everyone applauded him, right? Come on. Yeah, that's yeah, should have been in, but we're going to back you. And then he scores. He scores one of those goals. Typical Miggy goal, isn't it? Just fortunate, I think. Well, you always say, do you know when someone's having a tough time when it comes to goals? And you say, it just needs to go in. It just needs to go in. Off their backside, off yeah. their knee. Whatever that was, one of those goals, and the celebrations were just unbelievable. Even VAR getting in the way of it, you know. Thank goodness for VAR in this mm. instance. Celebrations were fantastic. He has got the backing of the majority of fans. Fantastic for more flags, mm-hmm. and you know, I thought he had an, a really good game yesterday against again the world's best side. Mm-hmm. I think when City scored early, and then ten minutes later. Miggy puts it over the bar. You're thinking, okay, is this going to be one of those days? You go back to that thought of, well, look, if Newcastle just had someone in that right midfield position of a little bit more quality with a bit more of an end product, that would have been in the back of the net. But this is just Miggy in a nutshell. If he doesn't, if it doesn't work out, he just tries and tries and tries. And yes, he was a bit fortunate with his goal, but fantastic positioning from him to exploit City sort of falling asleep at the back. And you know, a lot, of, a lot of time when we criticise Miggy, we say, oh, look, he, yes, he grafts hard, but it's sort of a negative, isn't it? It's as if it's all he's got, you know, he grafts hard. Yesterday, 
is ex- that's exactly what you want. Someone who's going to absolutely terrorise City all game. Um, and I thought, look, fantastic from War Flags. It seems who, whoever War Flags give the sort of treatment to always has a you know a flyer. It happened with Maxi last season. Miggy yesterday was clearly touched by it. Um, and I thought it was a really, really nice gesture. The thing is, he... you say that, you, you look now at the first 11, that's likely to be, and you go, well, who can the, who do they possibly need a boost anymore? <laughs> yeah, that's very <laughs> true. I don't know. Um, but yeah, look, and I thought it was a really, really nice gesture for him to get a, a standing ovation when he came off. Um, he's got the backing, as you say. I think fans, yes, we criticise him at times. Yes, we criticise Maxi because... We know they can do it. They've shown us plenty of times that they can. It's just about finding that consistency. A lot of the criticism that comes Miggy's way is about that end product. But you mentioned there, you know, before we scored, there were two or three passes he put across the box. And it it, it was Wilson's fault or Joe Willick not being in the right position that, they, that, you know, they didn't go in the back of the net. That is not Miggy's fault. The crosses and the runs that he made were exactly what you'd expect Cal Wilson to put in the back of the net. And it just, you know, you can't blame him if the player's not on the end of it because they should have been. Yeah, his link-up play yesterday was fantastic. He had a 25-minute spell in the first half where Newcastle were breaking at force, were breaking very quickly. Um, and Mac, uh, sorry, Miggy's ability with, to run with the ball at his feet at pace. He was playing some lovely balls through to Wilson, finding Maxi out on that left numerous times because they knew it was working. One of one of the best performances he's had in a long time, but we just need to see it week in week out. I think someone someone you know made a comment before it's, it's gone off the screen, unfortunately. But um, you know, he asked, "Does this mean we don't need another right winger?" This is the question we've got with Miggy. We know the talent's there, but unless he starts to show what he showed yesterday on a regular basis, you always feel that he's sort of at risk of losing a spot, don't you? You think if someone like Christian Pulisic or Moussa Diaby early in the summer had came in, that's him gone. So as we've said with Maxi a lot of the times, it's a big season for Miggy to show that he can continue on this journey with Newcastle as they start to bridge that gap at mm. the top. I feel he's a confidence player. I know he's always smiling, always bubbling, but what I mean by that, I think he, he needs just to be confident in himself to score goals. And this is a perfect start. The preseason has been a brilliant, you know, platform for him. Gets a goal today. And you just have to hope the momentum keeps going, you know, and fingers crossed he has a he has a storm of a season. Um, where should we go next? So many good players to talk about. It's, Pope, it's difficult. I think. Should we go Nick Pope? Well, let's go Nick Pope. I, you know, I said at the, the talking before, I said um, he's going to be, for me, arguably across the whole league, maybe hard on the side. Bargain, bargain of the summer transfer window. Ten million for him. He's already paid that back in the this, you know, the, the points he's earned. Newcastle United. You could his performance yesterday, Gareth Southgate in the director's box. It, if he's not seriously considering him to be England's number one, then I, I don't know what he's doing. That, yeah, simple as that. I mean, yeah. Look, we we know how much you race Sean Pickford, but. I honestly don't think at this moment in time you can say Jordan Pickford's anywhere near what Pope's playing. In terms of form, um, he just looks so confident. He's coming out yesterday and like commanding the area, um, taking crosses with ease. And then obviously we haven't even mentioned the the shot stop. I mean, Newcastle go one down. They try and get back into the game. City are flying forward. He saves a very good shot with his feet from De Bruyne. He saves a shot from Foden soon after. And then obviously he saves that De Bruyne free kick all in the first half. That Haaland save in the second half is absolutely world-class. The way Haaland gets it out of his feet, bends it, you think that's going in. What a stop. I, I wrote about it last night, actually. Eddie Howe, it was a massive, massive call for how to drop Dubravka without a ball even being kicked. A huge call because I think everybody in the comments and listening will agree Dubravka hasn't really put a foot wrong in Newcastle. But already it looks like that decision's justified because Pope, whether he's a better shot stopper than Dubravka's up for a bit, but in terms of how he's playing right now, his form, I don't think there's many better keepers in the league than him right now. I think he has shown himself to probably be a better shot stopper than Dubravka. I know it's only a few games in, but I do think he came in just slightly, and I mean ever so slightly, I'm talking like inches better than 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 Martin Dubravka. And he's he's proved, as you say, Eddie Howe has made the right call. But I've got him in the list of 
saved his made. You mentioned there, but there was a couple when City were actually offside and he comes out and he still makes the save. But there was other moments as well. There was a moment when Sean Longstaff sold him a short back pass and the speed and couldn't get line. off the line. And I'm pretty sure he, he, he was carrying, he wasn't 100% there. I think there was something wrong with his ankle perhaps. And he's off that line. He did it minutes it. later against Gundogan. City played ball in behind and he's off his line so quickly Just switched on. to gather the ball. Yeah, I mean, it, what can you say about him that hasn't already been said? He's got to be England's number one. For me, bargain um, of the summer. And, he, you know, he's, he, he, you can hear him talk and he's organising. It's just He's, he's just bringing, brought an assurance to that back line that I think was there with Martin Dubravka, but I think it's gone up um, a level. And like you say, that, that save that Holland, against Haaland save. Just unbelievable. At first, I mean, I thought Pope had saved it and then we were sort of talking in the press box and... And it looked as if it had just hit the post. But when you watch the replay, that tip on the post, just absolutely unbelievable. And what else was important? Right at the death as well, there was a couple of crosses or corners into the box mm-hmm. and he jumps up and he, he collects them and he's assured. Then he, he goes down and just holds on to the ball. And I think, for me, that was probably Martin Dubravka's biggest weakness. Every time he, especially in the, the, the latter performances that he put on, every time he came across to collect the ball, you were a little bit worried to whether they might spill it or drop it. And I know, you know, it, it's all to do with form and mistakes can happen. But every time Martin Debra- um, Nick Pope went up yesterday to get the ball, I felt one of us sure that he was going to come back down with it amongst his hands. Yeah, as I mentioned before, he looked he looked assured that he was commanding. You know, you weren't sort of wondering whether he was going to drop it. Um, and yeah, look, it's exactly what Newcastle need. They've got this very, very assured back line, you know, with some experienced heads in there. And it seems like Pope just sort of compliments them as well. So, yeah, fantastic signing. What a snip at 10 million. Um, and I think, I'll, you know, he is going to go close to be the sort of bargain of the summer. Let's talk about Dan Byrne, our left back again. Yeah, didn't know that decent performance. My target's going to find it difficult to get back in, isn't he? This this is the thing. What on earth does Eddie Howe do when Matt Target is fit again. You're telling the step up a level and if you want to get on that side, then you have to work your but, backside off. But seriously, let's say Target's back for Wolves. What what do you do? Because keep I am... Unless he's, of course, suffering from yeah, concussion. Which yeah, could I mean, be, could yeah. How did say last night that, that he won't be involved at Tramia given that um, it looks like he might have picked up a possible concussion. Um, we obviously went into the game yesterday. We were at the talking. We were talking about what Howe was going to do um, at the back. Is he going to go four or five? Which of the centre-backs does he drop? And obviously because Target wasn't in the match day squad yesterday, we're no sort of clearer as to how um, you know, it's going to work. Eddie Howe doesn't like to change a winning team. He doesn't like to t- change a team that aren't conceding. Yes, they conceded three yesterday, but I actually thought defensively it was a really, really sound performance. I don't think, um, apart from the first goal and, and maybe one or two chances in the second half, I thought, they defended well. Solid. Matt Target, who has not put a foot wrong in the 20 or so appearances made so far, I mean, at all, hasn't been one mistake of him. He's going to find it really, really hard to take that spot from Dan Byrne. 100%. Yeah, he's been brilliant, Dan Byrne. I mean, I do, I do look at him and think, he, God, he, he's a bit tall for a, for a left back. But, but... but you know what it is? I remember, I think it was Potter who initially made the um, put Dan Byrne at left back and everyone ridiculed him as, what on earth are you doing putting a six foot six defender at left back but he just makes he makes it look absolutely effortless doesn't he it's he just it's 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 a it's a bit odd to see as you obviously you don't see it so much but um he really really does look assured in that left back role and there was a moment against City when Dan Pingo is flying down the left and he, he's pressuring Kyle Walker and he's down at the you know the, the city end where Kyle Walker in the corner flag and he presses impression. And what I loved was the fact that straight away you had the likes of Joe Linton and Bruno just directing players, filling in because they know Burns gone all the way down there. So you're going to come back up, and they're filling in. They don't need to be told; they're just doing it. And that comes from on the training pitch, making sure that you've got a plan for every single scenario. Which I don't think was the case under Steve Bruce. I don't think it was that meticulous. But this is what he how brings to his players, you know. And often. John Gibson will say in the, in the podcast, and I think it's a line that came from Joe Harvey, players during the week, they like to be told what to do. So they know on the weekend that 
A, B, C, D. This is what we have to do in that scenario. So it's it, it's ingrained into them. And I think that's why Eddie Howe is, is brought in Newcastle. They know for whatever scenario, you know, to the best ability, this is where they need to be. This is what they need to do. And again, he got it down to an absolute T against Manchester City. And I think this is something that I, I personally like to watch Eddie Howe on the sidelines. Um, when him and it's a sort of quiet lapse in the game, I like to see him and Tyndall because they never sit down either of them, by the way. Both Jason and Eddie are both on the touchline all game. And there was a moment at the, I reckon there was 10 minutes left of the game yesterday and City were on the counter-attack and Byrne sprints from left back. to. I think he tries to close down De Bruyne in the centre circle. He's essentially moving in the centre mid to tackle him. And Howe and Tyndall are absolutely screaming on the touchline for someone to essentially fill in for Dan Byrne. So there's not a moment goes by that those players don't have the information on the pitch. Yes, obviously, Eddie Howe will be meticulous in training, but he doesn't leave anything a chance on the day. And every single second of that pitch, him and Tyndall are screaming instructions. It just seems like, as you say, under previous managers, there wasn't that attention to detail. Nothing is left to chance. Yeah, definitely. Some of the comments here, we've got uh, Ibu there saying, shout out to myself for being the Mickey Fan Club president. Thank you very much. Yes, I'll be taking new applicants um, this week. Um well, shall we go? Well, it's. I think we have to talk about the referees' performance now. I'm not one to slay referees. You know, anyone can have an off day in any profession. But yesterday, do you know what? I haven't even looked up his name. Who was the referee? Uh, Jared Gillett. Jared Australia. Gillett. There we go. He had an absolute shocker from pretty much the word go when he allowed the Bruyne to get away with, you know pretty much a wrestling move on Bruno Gumresh and then moments later books Bruno Gumresh, which was a foul, but it's like, well, come on, you know, fair's fair. Rodri got away with one, didn't he, before he uh, ended up actually getting booked. And it just seemed that he was letting things go for um <laughs> nice one there from Dimitri says as an Aussie, I was embarrassed to see his performance. He's talking about the referee there. It just seems he was letting things go for City and Newcastle are getting punished. I, I don't like to play the bias card because I, I, I don't think it is an actual thing, but just in, in, in gen, general, it was just, it was a, it was an awful performance from the referee. You know what it is? I think I, I think I'm going to take responsibility. I think I cursed it because I saw earlier in the week that Jared Gillett was going to be ref and I thought, oh, you know what? That's a good appointment. I like him. You know, he seems fair. Um, He's done a good job since he came to the Premier League from minute one yesterday and like you I don't like to criticise referees and bias because I think over 38 games it balances itself out if you have the odd um, clanger given against you but there was three or four opportunities yesterday you thought how on earth is, is not given that or have you given that to City um, as we said Bruno booked early on De Bruyne avoids the same thing Rodri an absolute clear blatant cynical foul in the middle doesn't get booked for it um, I didn't think Trippier's red card was a red card, which to Jared Gillett's credit, I think he redeemed himself somewhat because I thought it's very, I thought it's very, very unlikely that a referee goes over and says, I've made a mistake when he looks at it back. And to his credit, he did. Um, so I think that's the one positive we've got to give him. But I think on the whole, um, it, it was a poor refereeing performance. Just on that. Trippier foul. There was a caller on 606 yesterday when I was listening coming back from the match and he was saying, shouldn't we rule out cynical fouls? Like, and I was just, and he was listening to all these cynical fouls that Newcastle did include in the Trippier one. I was thinking, were there? Manchester City had three or four equally cynical Ma fouls. Manchester City, maybe not so now, maybe not so much now Fernandinho's gone, but they are the absolute masters of cynical fouls. It used to just be Guardiola's playbook whenever a team was counter-attacking that Fernandinho would pull them down. So, and also, I mean, I didn't listen to that six or six caller, but if you sent off every player that did a cynical foul, every team would end the game with seven men mm. every week. John Stones on Fabian Scher. Again, look, I like VAR because I think it is important that these decisions become the right decisions. We saw it yesterday with Miggy's goal. You know, without VAR, that wouldn't have counted. But my frustration comes. When a visual assistant referee looks at that foul, John Stones on Fabian Cher, and doesn't at the very least send the referee over to the monitor, I don't understand what what is the point of the monitor in that case. Because every big decision like that, the referee should be told to go to the monitor, you know. And if 
if that was the case, then you wouldn't have this thing where every time the referee goes up to the monster, want to hear the commentators going, "Oh, well, this, you know, that you know what this means." Yeah, if they just sent them over it. every single time, you you would you would get rid of that, and then it would be the referee would be able to make a decision, and you wouldn't think, "Oh, he's automatically going to overturn it." But the point being, on that, anywhere other than the penalty box, that is a foul. Mm-hmm. He's not won the ball. Mm-hmm. He's created into him. That is a penalty. It's, I, 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 look, it's maybe a bit hard for the referee to see that. It looks like it coming together. But then that's where VAR should step in. What is the point of VAR if that is not given as a penalty? I thought that was a penalty. As you touched on there, I think anywhere else on the pitch, that's given as a foul. And also, I think if the ref gives it and VAR check it, there's no way that gets overturned because it generally was a foul. Um, so, yeah, that was a baffling one for me. I'm glad it didn't eventually cost Newcastle in the end. But, I mean, that could have been... 3-1 going in at half-time. Huge boost for them at half-time. But look, it's just one of those. But I admit, watching it in real time and on the replay, I thought he was going to give, give a penalty. Mm. Again, you know, we don't want to slate the referee, but goodness me, it was not not a good performance. Maybe that's why the point matters so much, because it was effectively playing against 12 men. No, you know, we're not going to criticise him too much after that. Um, transfers then. Well, actually, no, before we go on to transfers, it is it is slightly linked. They brought on Jacob Murphy, didn't they, later on? Um, and I just, look, again, big fan of Murphy. I would love to see it work for him. He's a boy with Newcastle United fan. It's that dream, isn't it? But I just felt that yesterday, he looked like he was really, really knackered after he made one big, massive run and he didn't end up getting the ball. To be fair, I think it was maybe Maxi with the ball. He should have. He should have um, given it to him, but then he was struggling to get back. And saying, "You've just come off, you've just come off the bench." It's easy for us to sit here, and we're not professional footballers, <laughs> obviously. But I just thought, well, like you, you've seen Megan, you've seen Alan St. Maxman working their absolute backsides off. You know, for the majority of this game, they've done superb. You've come on, you've made one run, and I just thought that is the difference in the squad depth. You know, City can bring on X, Y, Z, and you know. They're going to be working their sock. I'm working their sock. He was, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't, but in terms of fitness, it just didn't seem to. I just looked at him and thought that that for me is the is the the difference. Yeah, obviously we know City's talent off the bench. We know that you know the types of players they can bring on. I think I will admit, I think Eddie Howe would have brought Ryan Fraser on yesterday if he could. I, I think he sort of alluded to it in his postmas press comments that Howe picked up a bit of a groin knock in the warm up. Um, but he said that the game would have suited Fraser if he had him available to him. So maybe that was the reason that Murphy came on. It just doesn't look like it's ever going to click for him. And with you, I would love it to happen. I think he would be a fantastic player if he just had a bit more of an end product because he's got the pace, he can dribble with the ball, um, his crossing's good, but yeah, it just doesn't look like it's going to work for him for me. And before we talk about transfers, we've got Dan there saying, first time listener, do we interact with the listeners' questions? We certainly do, Dan. So if you've got a question, let us know. Anyone else watching live, drop it in the comments and we'll get through the best. And I know a lot of you asking about Callum Wilson's uh, injury, what's latest. We're going to get onto that in just a moment. But on transfers, Aaron, we, we had a, a comment earlier on about Miggy. So do we now say we don't need a replacement for Miggy? I think, yeah, I think for me, Miggy and Fraser can do a decent job. But I, I do think, you know, Fraser has a little suspect injuries, isn't he? So mm-hmm. do they still need to bring in a, in a right winger, do you think? Or another wide player? If they can do it this window, I would love to see them bring in another right midfielder or, or even a left midfielder. Um, but... We talked about it. We've talked about it a lot. You know, the priority needs to be a striker. There's also talk that, you know, they may be looking at another midfielder now after Shelby's injury. Um, I think in terms of depth, if they can keep Miggy, Fraser, Murphy, you've got enough there to get you through until at least January. If Miggy can find a bit of form, Fraser can keep himself fit. But ultimately, if they can get another winger in this month, I would love to see it happen. If it's someone who's going to elevate the quality of the squad. And in terms of up top, we saw Wilson go off. Chris Wood came on. I thought Chris Wood did a decent did, enough job. He did all right yesterday. He, he hurried the, the, the Man City defence. He got stuck in. It was never looking like, like a goal threat because the, the threat really wasn't, again, it's not there for what the way he plays, you know, we, we're not to his strengths. 
But, and it also leads into the question about what is the latest with Callum Wilson? Is he going to miss a couple of games? You tell our listeners in a moment. It then leads into the question of do Newcastle really, really need to get a forward in over the next week? I mean, yes, I think even if Wilson hadn't suffered that sort of knot yesterday, it's vital that they get another forward in before um, the end of August. Obviously, yesterday we asked how in the post-match press conference as to why Wilson was taken off and um, how said that he felt a bit of tightness in his hamstring at half-time. They felt on the sidelines that he didn't really give us, you know, his true showing in the second half. So they took him off um, in this in the second half to sort of protect him from a serious injury. Wilson's done, you know, I think he did the interview earlier in the week. It was in the programme talking about how he's loving proving people wrong that, you know, everyone's saying he's got to get injured and then he comes off with a little bit of a knock. So um, how will make big, big changes for Tramia? I think he'll play a strong squad, but he's going to definitely rotate. I don't think Dan Byrne will be risked after that head injury. Doesn't look like Fraser will make it. And I think even if Wilson, you know, is shown up to be fine, I think there's no way he risks him. And also it's um, a good chance for Chris Wood, I think. Give him 90 minutes against Tramia. If he can't score against Tramia, then he's in bother. But yeah, it could be a good confidence boost for him. So I don't think we see Wilson Wednesday. Um, I think we see a lot of changes. And I think even if Wilson has got a full bill of health, it's vital to get another forward in. But you in think we'll see him days. against Wolves? Potentially, yeah. Look, I think they'll do scans this week to see the series. With it being a hamstring, it's not one they'll want to rush at all, especially given Wilson's history. So I wouldn't like to put any time score on it. But the fact that Wilson... You know, I mean, he, he managed 20 minutes of that second half, even with that tightness. I think they've just seen it as a precaution to sort of take him off, wrap him in cotton wool and, and not risk him. So I think we'll probably know more tomorrow when we speak to Howe in the in the pre-match press conference. Um, so, yeah, I think it was just a bit of precaution from them. On transfers, Jao Pedro is still the name at the top of the list. What's the latest? What did Howe have to say about potential incomings? Very little. Um, I mean, we, we quizzed him on it after, and and as always, he, he gave the, the response that they're working on it. He says that there's no guarantees. Um, it does look like things have moved a bit forward with Jao Pedro. We know that Newcastle have already had two bids turned down from him, but it looks like they're going to go and try him with a third bid. Pedro... Didn't play on Saturday as Watford drew with Preston. He wasn't in the matchday squads. Um, the rumours before the game was that it was an ankle knock. Watford's official line after the game on Saturday was that it was a calf injury. Um, one wonders whether it's maybe um, just a, you know, that's them sort of saving face and that he's angling for move. We've reported uh, here on the Chronicle that, you know, he does want to move to the Premier League. Um, he'd be open to coming. So, as we've said before, a lot depends on Ishmael Asar. Um, we know that he's attracting interest and obviously Watford have already lost Dennis. So it depends. Do they want to lose all three? It's a big, big gamble for them, despite the money they're going to be given. So um, I'd expect to see movement one way or the other this week. I'll ask this question and I'll say, first of all, we obviously trust that Eddie Howe and Dan Ashworth and Steve Nixon know what they're doing. But let's say that they sign Pedro. Callum Wilson gets some bad news. You know, he's going to be out for X, Y, Z. Has he got enough to lead the line? Um, it's hard to tell. You know, he, he he played 28 times for Watford last season. Admittedly, a lot off the bench. He only scored three goals. He's very, very raw. He's only 20 years old. He's came from Fluminense in Brazil. If I'm completely honest, I think if Pedro comes in and Wilson gets injured, I wouldn't be surprised to see how go with Wood. I think when you look at Wood, yes, it hasn't worked for him, but the amount of Premier League experience he's got, um, if he can find a run of form um, and a bit of confidence, I think you could safely say that it could do a job. So maybe it's not someone to come in and instantly take it off Wilson, but just offer a bit more support. We've lost Dwight Gale. If Wilson gets injured and he's out for a long time, there's literally only Chris Wood. Mm. Um, so I think you've got to have three attackers in that lineup, which is why... You know, they're pushing hard to get Pedro in. Some comments that I'm going to uh, put on the screen in just a moment. Before I do that, a big thank you to everyone who came along to the Tyneside Irish Centre yesterday for our live talking. Raised um, quite a bit of money for the Sir Boy Robson Foundation and Newcastle United fans, Food Bank. So a big, big thank you. Well over 100 people came along. Watch out uh, on the website for the next date. We will hold another one later in the year. We hope 
you guys can get along to that as well. And we're also going to enter into the football uh, content award. So we'll pop the link into the comments. I'll pop it in the podcast description as well. Basically, if you can click on that link and I think it's a second or third one down, you'll see a box which says best podcast. Just simply put in the everything is black and white podcast in the Premier League section and scroll down at the bottom and click for, of course, you can fill in the rest of the category boxes uh, if you've got any other uh, favorite Newcastle United content on YouTube or what have you. But for us, if you can fill in that podcast box with the Everything's Black and White podcast and uh, cast your vote, it would be much appreciated. Um, I've got Rich Baxter there thinking, I think Pedro can do well for us. I think some of the negativity is unfair. I'm sure he's on his way. We had uh, L Shackleton there and Steve uh, Jicks there saying reports of Jack Harrison, another bid for Jack Harrison. He did really well against Chelsea yesterday. I was watching that game before we headed up at St. James Park. Very impressed with Leeds. Um, but Harrison, again, it's it's funny because you're looking at Harrison, you're looking at Madison, and they're showing exactly why Newcastle have held an interest in them this summer. Yeah, I mean, Jack Harrison was fantastic yesterday. He's been fat, fantastic so far this season. Um, so it's no surprise that Eddie Howe really likes him. I mean, he's been a target all the summer. Um, you know, Leeds have been pretty unanimous in their stance. They don't want to sell him. It would take a lot of money to sell him. Um, and I think when you look at the likes of Jesse Marsh has been dealt a tough hand in the sense that he's came in, kept them up. Rafinha's left. They've lost Phillips. To lose Harrison as well would be quite a killer blow. Um, and look, Newcastle weren't willing to, to bid what Leeds wanted from a month ago. I think his value's probably gone up to Leeds now. So, you know, I have seen the reports in the last day or two that, um, you know, Newcastle are considering it, but it's going to take a lot to persuade Leeds to sell him because, if I'm honest, I don't think the players really got the well, that, desire yeah, to leave. That's either. what I was going to say. You look at Madison and, and you look at Harrison, you're not hearing any whispers that they're yeah. forcing a move that I they mean, want to come out. Which... Pedro on Saturday, you know, let's, let's be cynical for a minute. If he isn't injured and he's just said, I don't want to play, I'm going, you know, there's been none of that from Harrison. There's been none of that from James Madison. As you've said, they've started the season really, really well. Doesn't look like there's an appetite from the player. There certainly is an appetite from Leeds. Do you think that comes down to the fact that it's still maybe a little bit difficult to sell a move to Newcastle at the stage of the journey they're on? The players might look at that and think, well, look, I'm comfortable here at Leicester, for example. We're only one or two players away from, you know, being another having another good season in the top seven, top eight. Leeds, maybe he looks at that and says, again, look, I'm playing week in, week out here. And okay, we might not be pushing for the top ten, but you know we've got enough not to be in another relegation scrap. You think it is difficult at this stage to sell Newcastle as an upgrade to maybe Madison or Harrison? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it's so easy to get carried away after games like yesterday and performances like yesterday. But when you look at the cold hard facts, Newcastle United are still a mid-table team at the minute. So are Leeds if they continue in this form, and Leicester have been in and around Europe the last couple of seasons. Um, so it is definitely, I think, yes, they can offer them, you know, healthy wages. Um, they can certainly sell them a dream that in a couple of years' time, we're going to be in and around the best teams in the league. Um, but I think these types of signings are going to come six months, 12 months, 18 months down the line when your castle are a bit more assured um, and, you know, they've just climbed that bit further. So I would like to see both Harrison and Madison at the club. I just think it, it's going to take a lot at this stage of the window to persuade those two clubs to sell. Certainly going to be an interesting one. We have a transfer live blog and that will be running throughout the rest of the transfer window. You get all the, the gossip and all the rumours in there as well, of course, as the hard news from our writers like Aaron, Lee Ryder, Kieran Kelly and so on. I guess the game against Tranmere in the League Cup is, is a big one for Elliot Anderson, perhaps, because again, a lot of discussion is he staying, is he going anyhow? The last we heard is suggesting he's going to stay, but it was another weekend where he's not getting first team football. I actually would have brought him on in place of Murphy. That's what I, I think he, he could have given him a run out yesterday and he would have maybe just brought a bit more energy and a bit more drive to to um, to um that side. But again, you expect him to at least play a role, if not start against Tramia, yeah. but then unless he pulls up all the trees in the forest, he's not going to start against Wolves, is he? So I just think you do risk potentially stagnating his development. He needs to go out and play first-team football in the Championship. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we saw how well Arneson played pre-season. We all thought he was going to be given a good run out early doors this season. Forrest was the game to do it. They're 2-0 up, they're in control. How made five subs that day and didn't bring Anderson on? I'm really, really surprised by that. Yesterday in Brighton, I can forgive. It's a tight game. You know, it's on a knife edge. Is it the best idea to put a very inexperienced kid in that position? Maybe that's how I was thinking, but... You've got a better minute. He should point, be. Though. He needs to be playing. I think he needs to be playing against Tramier. And if he doesn't, I think that's the clearest sign that he's off on loan. Because if he's not playing those cup games, um, I really don't see them keeping him and just letting him stagnate the season. It's a big, big year for him. We've got Ibu there saying Elliot Aronson should be coming on instead of Longstaff. Matty Longstaff, maybe. I don't know about Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I think. I think. I hope we we'll see. Anderson against Tramia. I'd like to see Longstaff start. Um, I think we'll see the likes of Lascelles maybe brought in. Not wholesale changes, but enough changes to give, you know, sort of um, a few players a rest. But with Anderson, it's a big week. And I think given what we've seen so far in the first three weeks of the season, I'd be more inclined to loan him out now. Yeah, Dan Gain saying that Anderson will probably play on Wednesday. I think he probably will. I don't know whether it would be a, it's probably his final game until maybe January for Newcastle and they do send him out on home. One to watch again. Uh, we, I mean, we are expecting a busy finish to the transfer window, aren't we? Yeah, I think busy. I think we'll have a couple of outgoings maybe. I think we know that, you know, as I reported last week, the club are rejecting a lot of offers from for loan players, um, youngsters, Lucas De Ball, um, and players like that. So it might be that they go out and get a bit of game time. Anderson's want to watch. I think Longstaff. Matty, that is, probably goes out on loan. One of the four senior goalkeepers, um, Dubravka, Darlow or Gillespie, probably goes. One of them, I think. Where's your um, money on? We've got Dan there saying, do you think Dubravka is going to stay in? I'd love, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in Dubravka's house now to know what he thinks about the fact he's lost his place because it doesn't strike me as the type of player that wants to sit on the bench. But at the minute, doesn't look like there's many suitors for him. You know, there's no concrete interest that we've heard of him. So, but then you do wonder because I don't think Newcastle will be actively trying to get him through no, the, through the door no, because no, no. you want two top goal goalkeepers. So it also depends what Newcastle's message, message is. If someone's picked up the phone and gone, is he available? They go, not a chance. Well, Eddie Howe said that. Um, you know, he said it a couple of weeks ago. He was asked about the four goalkeepers. He said if it was up to him, he'd keep all four. But he understands that if one of the three goalkeepers not getting a chance wants to go, he's not going to stand in that way. So it does boil down to what Dubravka it's wants. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I was watching that Spurs game. Who did they play on um, this weekend? Uh, Wolves. Wolves. And is it Ben Foster? It, well, it, uh, it was a Fraser Foster. One of Fraser, them. No, no it's uh, Ben. Uh, Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. yeah Fraser Foster. Is in the third keeper at Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I just, he's sitting on the bench. Yeah, Fraser Foster. I was just yeah. thinking, how, how do you get past that do you just accept that you, you go to work Monday to Friday you train yep and you just know you are never ever unless it's a cup game probably going to play you know what it is that's so weird because I was looking at Scott Carson warming up yesterday thinking the exact same thing <laughs> Scott Carson's a bit different he's probably got seven years on Foster but look this is what I go back Dubravka is in his prime arguably he's going to have suitors in the Premier League or in abroad um, I think it just depends whether he wants to sit on the bench or not but yeah, busy week. I think we'll see a couple of outgoings. I think we'll see two incomings. They're pressing, pressing hard for that striker. Um, so yeah, busy, busy week. Just checking where Ben Foster plays. I think he might actually be a free agent. So there you have it. Um, Steve says, I like Anderson a lot. However, in that call yesterday against one of the best sides in Europe, I think it was the right decision uh, to make that he, he didn't get um, yeah. a run out. We've got Darren Lee Wilson. Hopefully we won't make too many changes on Wednesday to keep the good form going. Momentum is key, but also have Newcastle got a big enough squad to play the same team and then kind of, you know, if someone you know, get, gets knackered, gets tired first off, or someone does get suspended or injured to then fill in, is it worth the risk of doing that? I think from how talk yesterday, he, he first and foremost said he's going to put out a team that's going to win. I don't think we'll see 11 youngsters. Um, you run the risk. I think you won't take any chances with Burn Wilson, Fraser. He's going to... It's one of those risks. I think you play a strong team, but you'll make a few changes. 
Well, there we have it. Thank you guys for popping on and watching the Everything is Black and White podcast live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you can drop us a subscription on uh, YouTube, we do appreciate that. We recently hit a thousand, which is small, but um, it's a nice number. If you've listened on the podcast, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. Leave us a rating and review as well. That would be brilliant. And pass the pod amongst your Newcastle United supporting friends and family. And once again, please vote for us in the football contents awards the link is in the description or in the comments it take you 30 seconds to do and we really would appreciate it for myself and aaron once again thank you very much for tuning in head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep up to date with all the latest newcastle united news <laughs>